0: All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today I've got my uh, co host Travis here. So, uh, Travis, who are you and what do you do, buddy?
1: Yeah, my name's Travis Marziani. I have uh, actually an online dance clothing store, which is interesting because I never danced. I never did any of that kind of stuff, but I really wanted to start uh, an e commerce store. And my mom actually has been sewing dance clothing for over 20 years. And, you know, this is something I kind of give as advice to people, when they're looking for an idea, you don't always have to be the one with the idea. You know, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a pretty smart person. You can probably figure out how to make someone else's idea extremely profitable. So for with me, I I didn't care about dance pants. I didn't care about any of that stuff. But I always tell people is, you know, if I buy a t-shirt online, I don't tell any of my friends about it. But the thing is, if a dance mom buys a pair of dance shorts online, she tells everybody about it. So for me, my true passion wasn't creating, you know, a specific type of business. It was creating a business. I really just wanted freedom in my life. I, uh, I always kind of followed everyone else's advice. So, you know, I worked hard. I got into my dream college. I got my dream job afterwards. And the first year was amazing. I was traveling all over the world, you know, making tons of money, making more money than a 22-year-old really should. But then the second year came and I really hated it. I looked at the future and I looked at all these 30, 40, 50 year olds who were, in my mind, kind of indentured, like in in indentured servitude. And I realized at that point I needed to get out of it. It's
0: what they call like the corner office test, right? You look at like the boss that's been there 15, 20 years and you ask yourself, well, do you want to be like him? And if it's no, you got to start doing other things. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) My boss pulled me in for... uh, you know, the yearly interview. And he asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And my thought was, you know, if I'm still here, shoot me like I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That was a big, like realization that I need to figure something out. I think like a lot of people that started doing this recently, I found uh, the four hour work week, which I highly recommend. You know, it's a great book and it really showed me, this is what I want my life to be like. And if that's what I want. I need to start making the right steps to do that. Yeah, and I think as cliche as it
0: sounds, like almost everyone's journey is like four hour work week. That it almost sounds, oh my god, like like when I hear that, I almost roll my eyes. But it's such an important book, I think, because it it's almost it's almost like the Bible of this yeah. movement. I'd say.
1: I, and the thing was, I was already thinking all this stuff before, and I literally all of it. But then when you read it, it's like you have a friend finally that's telling you, yeah, go for it. Because in my situation pretty much everyone around me told me, no, don't quit your job. No, that's too scary. Don't do it. They were clearly like, you're insane. Why would you quit your job? Uh, Obviously, now they know it was the right decision. So that was really cool. Gotcha. All right, cool. So we'll talk about
0: this. A little bit later uh, down the road so today uh, we're going to talk about kind of the six things that we're struggling with together so um, you have three things I have three things Uh, we actually haven't shared it yet so we'll just kind of bring them up and then uh, talk about them kind of openly and you know maybe if other people are going through the same thing uh, let us know in the comments so number one
1: uh, do you want to go first yeah I think my number one thing that I'm really struggling with is getting organic traffic I think that's something that a lot of people that run e-commerce stores are talking about. And it seems like one of those things that it used to be easy uh, and it's not so easy anymore. And I'm looking for new ways. And I know that there has to be ways to rank higher up on Google. I mean, I know that there's people out there doing it. So I'm exploring a couple different options on how to do it. And one of them is a blog where we actually interview dance studios. And it's really good for a bunch of different reasons. But you know, one of the reasons is if they like the interview, they'll actually put a link to it on their site. So Google sees, hey, this site's obviously very relevant to dance clothing. You know, maybe we should put it higher up for that. But of course, the other big thing is it allows me to contact thousands of dance studios and say, hey, have you heard about our site? Without actually saying that, because I'm actually saying we'd like to interview you. And who doesn't want to get interviewed? Who doesn't want free press when you're a small business owner? So that's something I'm exploring. But I'm looking for different ways on top of that. Yeah, especially like
0: these solopreneur dance studios that are really passionate about what they do. I think we've had some conversation about how they just kind of, these girls that are running their own studios, really passionate about it and they're willing to get the word out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them have no idea what the internet, I told them, you know, we're going to interview you for our blog. They're like, well, when does this magazine come out? And a lot of them don't know how to advertise at all online. So we're really doing them a favor. We're saying, hey, we're going to give you free online advertisement Uh, just And we don't ask for, I mean, we say, you know, if you like the article, please link it. But we don't tell them, you know, you should buy from our shop. We don't say any of that stuff. It's really just a way for us to highlight dance studios. And if every once in a while, we'll get a dance studio that's like, wow, you know, we actually uh, loved our our article. We put a link to it. And by the way, we're going to have everybody that comes to our studio from now on buy from you. And that's, that's awesome. You know, it's one email I sent out and I get Thousands of dollars in new sales and make someone extremely happy at the same time. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's a good match for them too, because it lets them,
0: like, it's like a validation from, hey, I, I was interviewed and, like, oh my God, I've been featured on this thing. And then they get really proud that, like, hey, you know, someone's paying attention to me. And not yeah. just that, but also, like, naturally, when they find out who you're at, they'll check your store out, right? So you don't need to tell them, like, hey, you know, check out my store.
1: Yeah. You know, when I first started, I was really spammy about it. I sent out like mass emails. I'm like, Hey, we'll give you 25% off, which is a lot of money off. And nobody, I sent out like a thousand emails to people, you know, by hand, which takes a long time and nobody wanted that. But then I started saying, you know what, actually, what do you, you know, that I think is a big thing is thinking, what does your customer want? Not what do you want out of this situation? So that really changed things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So
0: my Number one is actually kind of the same thing, but I wrote it as number two, like the same thing, traffic. Uh, one thing I was having trouble figuring out is like where the customer actually hangs out. So um, my ideal kind of customer was like, kind of like the young iBanker crowd, guys in their 20s, their early 30s. But the people that have actually been buying are kind of a lot older. So they've been like 35 to like 50 married couples, like wives buying for their husbands, things like that. So I guess just figuring out like the right organic way to get these guys is still something like I'm still kind of struggling with too, so. Have you had any thoughts about what you might be pursuing for that? Yeah, so I'm going to do some more uh, guest blogging on some finance blogs just on a more consistent basis. So previously, they've been kind of like one-off. Like I do it once every month, once every two months, and now I'm trying to do it weekly. And so what I actually did was I actually uh, blocked out time on a calendar to kind of do this now, but I take it a step further. I make it into like a Photoshop image and then on like my iPad, my desktop, my phone. Like you know how you can change the background image? Like basically I put, the, I put the calendar on there. Oh, that's cool. So as soon as I wake up, I know I need to like start writing and like do outreach, things like that. Because I think it used to be like, hey, I just wake up and then you kind of like dick around, eat some coffee, have some coffee. Like your roommate wakes up, you talk about random stuff. People ask you to go out and then you're just like, oh, there's my whole day. And, like, and now I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to wake up. Here's what I'm doing in the morning. Here's what I'm doing in the evening. And then like
1: everything else, uh, no. Yeah, no. I find I go through periods of like ultra focus, and then I'm kind of, I kind of enjoy it for a little while, maybe you know, l- lay out on the beach or whatever, and then very quickly I get to the point where I'm like, all right, time to focus again. Let's get the next thing going. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. like a
0: momentum thing that comes and goes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I guess we we're, were talking about organic traffic, and I think I uh, going back to this topic, I feel organic traffic is really like, it's always like a backwards thing you got to look at because you always look at your analytics. It's like the last month's data, last two months data, it's never like forward looking, which kind of makes it like weird when you kind of put your efforts here and there. So uh, I guess uh, that's my number one.
1: Uh, What's your number two? My number two is actually making all the paid advertisements I do more profitable. I think that, uh, I mean, that's an obvious one, but you know, you first you kind of put up a bunch of ads, for instance, like what keywords to target, all that kind of stuff. And breaking it down farther from there is a lot more challenging than I originally thought because there's a lot of variation and I'm, uh, I get really nitpicky. So uh, for instance, there might be a keyword for a certain month that performs really well and then the next month it's doing really bad. And sometimes it's hard to tell what those trends are gonna be. So that's something I wanna get better at figuring out how to make my paid advertisements more profitable. Gotcha. Yeah, because it's like when you have that
0: data point. Well, what do you make a decision on? If one's good, one's bad, and is it like the time scope's too narrow, or do you wait longer? Or and then then, yeah, and then like if you wait longer, you're just sitting there. You're like, oh,
1: well, am I? Should I be doing something? Should I not be doing something? One of the biggest things that really bothers me is um, so with you know Google Analytics, you're able to see okay, they bought from me from a paid advertisement, but half of our sales come from direct uh, URL people putting in the URL directly. Well, most of those people probably found us from paid searches. So it's really hard to track that because one of the problems too for us is our biggest uh, profit area is from teams buying from us. So they're gonna buy, you know, 25 things. Well, if you're buying 25 things, chances are, you know, you found us on your phone and then you go to your desktop computer and buy from us. And maybe you found us on your phone from a paid advertisement, but on the desktop, I see it as like an organic search for the name of our company. So you're saying your organic Your paid search might be working, but it's not showing
0: up in the conversions data. Exactly. and
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, another issue I run into is, is there's a little bit of seasonality with this. So part of me wants to lower how much money we spend on paid advertisements right now, but because it's a lower season. But I know that people looking for the upcoming season are looking right now. So if I look purely based on the analytics data, yeah, I should be spending way less money on paid advertising right now. But you know, a lot of people will even call in to place orders. Well, how'd they find us? I have no idea. They could have found us, you know, from organic results or paid results. So that's something I want to talk to uh, some more experts about. And try to figure out. Yeah. Well, I guess you can always ask them when they call you, right? How'd you hear about us? And you know, but see, the problem with that is everyone says Google. Oh, and I see. You know, if I say, oh, was it a paid ad or a regular ad, they have no idea. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what keyword did you use? And was it a paid ad? And they're like, uh, what do you mean by keyword or paid ad?
0: Yeah, or like the sidebar or the top, like most, like you can barely tell the top 10 results from the paid
1: ad ones on the top now. Yeah.
0: And, and there's like ads by Google, but most people who are not tech savvy just don't care and they have no idea, as long as they get the result they want.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, a third factor that really kind of makes things even harder is the amount of referral sales. So for instance, maybe uh, one of my ads, we sell to somebody and they buy a pair of shorts for $20 and this actually happened. Then they go tell their dance studio about it and we get $4,000 worth of sales. Well, really that one twenty $20 sale that shows up in Google Analytics isn't worth $20. It's worth $4,020. So I got to figure out, you know, how profitable it is. I mean, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. One of the things I've been looking at doing is like basically gauging it by how much time they spend on our site. So if someone comes in looking for a certain keyword and they spend only, you know, one second, well, that's probably not a very good keyword. But if it's three minutes, even if they never buy anything from us, that's probably a little bit better. But I'm still looking for other ways to figure that out.
0: Something I did on my store the other day, uh, I put up a Zopim, the live chat thing, but it only pops up after 90, min- 90 seconds on site because I looked at my time on site. And most people were like there for like two minutes and a half. So I figured, all right, you look at that data and then you look at the top pages that people are visiting and then, all right, they're probably stuck here, maybe have some questions. So let's just throw up a live chat and see if anyone... That, Do you answer that yourself, or because I know you're in a different time zone? Yeah, so it goes to my phone. Um, I actually in the live chat, you know how it pops up in some website. I actually say, "Hey, this goes to my mobile phone," but sometimes I'm, you know, drinking beer, so I might not be able to get it or something like that. I like I put like a joke in there. If they type something in the chat. Uh, but I'm not there. It gets, they get an autoresponder that says, hey, you know, we've sent it to the email. They'll reply to you via email. And so sometimes I catch it there, but that was so helpful though. Like I sold one of my most expensive wallets there, like a $300 one based off a of live chat. So
1: wow, that's, yeah, that's, cool. a really, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about doing, but it, uh, I'm glad you talked about that. Cause that's one of those things you put on the back burner and then you hear someone do it and you're like, yeah, that's probably something I should implement as well. Yeah. And you just set it up it once and it's there forever. Like not everyone
0: will use it. I'd say probably less than 10%, maybe even like 5%. But, you know, the ones you do who chat with you, you might as well get that data and see what you can do. So, And plus, you're in the U.S., right? So your time zones are probably a lot easier to handle.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know a lot of people actually call us. And I think if you're willing to call us, you're much, more, or you're much more likely to chat than want to call. So I think that would definitely be a good thing for us. Yeah, yeah and there's some people who are probably are more comfortable with chat. Maybe they're younger,
0: like our age, who don't like to be on the phone. Right?
1: So oh, that's what I'm sorry. That's what I meant. I think most people, like... A chat's right there like I, otherwise if i have to call you i have to go get my phone yeah um, you no know, that's a great idea
0: and then like do i have to go through some crazy like press zero to get the operator press one for accounting yeah like, <laughs> yeah no i totally agree yeah all right all right so let's move on to the next thing um is it my turn now? I kind of forgot. It's your turn. All right. So a uh, second thing uh, i have having problems with is content creation. So uh, I think I talked about this earlier on the podcast. What I've been doing is kind of YouTube videos that have uh, interesting stories. And I think just kind of sitting down and writing out like a video script is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like I realized that making a video is not that hard. Like once you know what you're making, it's really easy. But when you're like thinking about, oh, what am I going to record? You know, how do I look in front of the camera? What am I going to say? Like that's like the hard part. Too. So uh, what I've been doing is I've been looking at some kind of like script writing software that kind of struggles That kind of streamlines a little bit uh, using some Google Docs to kind of just jot ideas down as I go throughout the day Because usually those are where kind of the cool things come from, too So
1: what type of videos so is it gonna be videos of you uh, like talking about? Like random things or what in particular you ever see the channel Vsauce yeah I so like it's, that. Kind, it's, it's kind of like vsauce but uh with like more
0: interesting stories so vsauce is kind of more science-based right yeah so this is like kind of uh more like mind-blowing but on an interesting angle so for example one episode i'm doing um is about the international space station so if you ever see the photo of it how it has like all these solar panels uh, yes yeah. it's, it's like this huge like eight or nine panels in space and it's like floating around there so basically you ever think about how did they get these panels up there in space like did they assemble them uh, in the rocket and then put it up there? Well, it turns out there's actually um, this scientist that figured out a way through Japanese origami, the way to fold paper, to fold solar panels. And they put in this rocket and they put in space. And all you have to do is you just expand it through one way and then it becomes this huge panel. Wow. And so what's interesting is that this fold is actually kind of prevalent in nature too. So if you look at like dragonflies or how a snake moves, you know how it moves up and down to move forward. It's kind of like the same science behind that. And then... Uh, so if you look at a dragonfly in it's cocoon, it has to develop these wings too, right? And you look at the creases, it actually has the same fold as it does on this origami paper. So kind of like cool stories like this that are interesting to you know, watch while you're having lunch or at a coffee break at the office, things like that. So
1: That's cool. So it'll be unrelated to the wallets. Will you like tie in the wallets at the end or? Yeah, yeah, at the end. Yeah. Okay. So, so the show is
0: called Baller's Briefing. And in the end, I just say, hey, brought to you by ballerleather.com. Check out our store if you want to help us out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I mean, I have no idea how this is gonna work out, but just uh, out of
1: curiosity, are you gonna try to get like ad um, revenue from it too, or just purely?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna turn that on because I heard your friend the other day. Like, I actually watched the channel, the Epic Wildlife guy. Yeah. Like he has like his videos are pretty cool. Like they're not yeah. like, super advanced, but they're just like a lot of images. He's talking about cool stuff. So I figured you know we'll take a page from his book and see how
1: this works. That's one of my big uh, things I'm wondering about too, because I'm looking at starting a YouTube channel, and. I don't expect to make money off the advertisement, so part of me wants to turn them off. Uh, Actually, all of me wants to turn them off because I don't want the users getting distracted and stopping, but I wonder if Google prefers channels and websites with them on, because they make money from them, kind of thing. Yeah, there was an interesting article I read about YouTube the
0: other day by this guy like Freddie Wong. I guess he's kind of like a YouTube guy, like he makes like Machinima videos or whatever, like really high production stuff. And he was saying YouTube basically it has, like, three tiers of content. So the first tier is, like, the super low-budget, like, you know, iPhone vlog. You're just talking to it. Like, there's, like, zero budget. And then the second one is kind of like what your friend does, like the Epic Wildlife guy. He has some production value. You know, he has images, uh, other stock videos, things like that that he uses. And he has, like, an intro, outro, kind of things like that. And then the third one is kind of like these movie trailers or music videos, like the Vivo things. And he was saying, like, in the YouTube ecosystem moving forward, really only Tier 1 and Tier 2 can survive. Uh, tier 3 guys need to get money either through Kickstarter, ad money, or whatever. And even through the CPMs now in YouTube, like they're saying to get ad dollars of TV shows, it's still like years off. And you know who, who knows, right? YouTube is still growing. But I think like the second tier where you can use it as a marketing channel to drive things back to our store,
1: uh, that's probably kind of like an untapped market. And the SEO value that I keep hearing about with uh, YouTube channels is a big reason I want to get into it. I hear that by having a link, from a video or YouTube like in the description, back to your website's supposed to be huge, so. Yeah, and
0: one thing now, you realize it's so easy to access YouTube now if you have like Apple TV or anything, like you just swipe your phone and you have something on your phone, you get on your tablet, PC, whatever, you just start watching videos. Like you look at like people on like public transportation, I know you live in like LA area, people drive cars, but like anywhere in like say New York, uh, Singapore, you know, Hong Kong, like everyone's on their phones like while they're on the subway and they're just watching videos or playing games.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I have a smart TV now. So every time, like, I go to eat some food, I don't turn on the TV. I'll just turn on YouTube. And yeah, exactly. That's what I do too. Yeah, it's it's a great way because I don't know. You turn on the TV, there's reruns, whatever. YouTube, you're always getting something new, and it's fun. And it's it's done when you're done eating. So it's not like, oh, okay, well, I got to watch the rest of the show. Yeah, I think there's like a discovery element with YouTube
0: too. Uh, kind of like in 2014, where you have these good shows being made, but you probably haven't found all of them yet. Like, my roommate watches, like, uh, this Ultimate raffling or this Rap Battles a lot, and he yeah. he always plays on the TV, and I guess I'm starting to watch it, too. And it's interesting to see content like this because you can really choose what you want to watch, right? Whereas, like, TV, you're kind of stuck with the programming, and you just flip through channels, and you're like, oh, whatever. So
1: You know, one other thing I want to share about that is... Uh, So, my my friend, Adam, who had the Epic Wildlife thing, uh, he told me, you know, if you look at his first videos, they're not very good. So, his big thing was just put up something. Um, So, that's kind of with my site we're actually trying to do like we put up a couple of videos that are really bad so i encourage anyone that's like thinking about doing some youtube stuff start off at the tier 1 that's what's going to happen and then you'll kind of naturally figure it out as you go so
0: yeah and i think when you use youtube just naturally the way you discover content there is that you look you look for someone they show up in like the sidebar you know like, oh this looks interesting and then you click it and then you look at what they you look at their whole backlog, right? Kind of like a podcast and you start looking through the backlog. Whereas if you don't have the backlog, you only have two videos. Well, why should I look at this guy? Why should I subscribe to his channel?
1: Yeah. You know, another thing is I think people are kind of used to every once in a while getting uh, lower quality stuff on YouTube. So it's not like, I don't know, it's not like you're making a TV show and if it's low quality, they're just going to be like, get out of here.
0: You know? Yeah. There was a guy I watched, uh, Philip DeFranco. He was saying YouTube uh, personality trumps production. In the sense that if something's really engaging, you'll watch it because you know it's YouTube. Whereas even if something's really well made but it's boring, you'll turn it off, right? And I was like, oh yeah, I actually do do that. Like there's some videos yeah. that are boring, but I just don't watch it. But yeah. if something's like you know kind of made with a phone that's really funny, you know I'll watch it. And you know kind of a new ecosystem that's still being figured out, which kind of makes it exciting. And I don't know, I think like as brands, you know, video production is stuff that scares a lot of people. So if you can figure this out, it can really make you stand apart from everyone else that's doing whatever. And I think there's power too in like, you know, like say you're eating a taco every day for lunch or whatever and you sit down in front of the TV and there's always someone that you can tune into on a weekly basis. There's some power in that too. Oh, absolutely.
1: So my number three thing is getting more of the people that buy my product engaged with our social media. Uh, And I've had some success with this. One thing we'll do is we ask the people that buy from us to take a picture of them wearing it. You know, it could be on stage or whatever, and then share it. And we get a lot of people that will do it, but not nearly as many as I want. Um, Same thing, like we have a, a Twitter and it's really hard getting people engaged with it. I feel like at the beginning. So we're exploring a couple different ideas. Also getting people to like us on Facebook. I know that for me, someone has to be really awesome for me to like them on Facebook and We send like in each of our emails, we send them something saying, hey, don't forget to like us on Facebook. And almost nobody does. So... But it's like when someone asks you to like something, do you really click it?
0: I mean, sometimes I do unless it's really cool. So...
1: Yeah. The tough part is I think if I don't, it's either that or I don't ask it. And if you don't ask it, good luck getting any. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll get like one every two days that'll like us from our emails or so. And... One of the, the big thing we do is like once a month, we'll send out an email saying, hey, um, make sure you post a photo of you wearing our dance clothing for a chance to win our monthly drawing. So there's some incentive there. Yeah. And, I you know, I think I really do believe that most of the people that post this picture, they don't really care about winning. Um, but they kind of, they need that trigger of saying, oh, there's a chance of me to win something. Yeah. Cause we have a lot of people that'll call in and say, oh my God, we love you so much. Thank you. Your product's amazing. And we'll say, you know, do you mind posting a picture? And they're like, yeah, of course. But it kind of slips your mind. So I think that's a good way to be like, hey, remember that time that you said you'd post a picture? Can you do that now? You know, are these dance studios you're asking or dance teachers or? We, we send it out to everybody. Everyone that buys from us, we say, you know, just post a picture. Um, most of them tend to be. Most of them probably tend to be individuals, but we get a good amount of dance studios as well. Yeah, and these are mostly dance teams too that buy. Most of our profit comes from the dance team for sure. Um, But I'd say more people buy individually, but yeah. What if like, I've heard some other stores doing like, customer of
0: the month or something like that or like they feature like a profile about them like where the city where they live
1: we're actually doing that right now with the studios we're um on our blog we're doing studio spotlight i just sent out the emails yesterday and i think i had like 80 studios i sent out emails to and something like 21 of them already it's been like 24 hours sent me an email saying yes absolutely we'd love to do that so you know one thing one thing that might be cool is like I don't
0: know if this will work, but you could do like a calendar or something like that. And then you have like, Hey, submit your photo to get a chance to be in our calendar. And then you can have like six slots a month and then you just feature people there too. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we, uh, well, yeah, that's a good idea. One of the things we did for our last one is we want to start sending out a pamphlet with each of our orders. And one of the things we said is if, you know, if you win, uh, dancewear picture of the month, then we'll put you in the, in a little pamphlet. So we got a couple really good photos for that I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, because these guys always want more exposure, whether you're like yeah. a dancer or a dance studio, right? Like a dancer, you want to be recognized for who you are. I guess your craft and I guess the studio, you want your name to get out there so more people can come.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely something I'm looking at doing going forward. The other thing that I'm looking to do is actually the pamphlet itself. Uh, I think having something physical that says, don't forget about our monthly drawing, makes it seem a little bit more real than... We all get, I mean, how many spam emails do you get that says you're the millionth person, you're going to get a million dollars, just click here. So I think that when people have something physical, it's an extra reminder too. I mean, when they go to throw away the pamphlet, maybe they remember, oh yeah, by the way, I should uh, send that picture in. So I think that hopefully will help things out, but we'll see. Are you seeing much traction on Facebook? Because I get the feeling like, what's the organic reach out? It's like less than 10%, like is it even worth it? You know, uh, I don't know. I think it's there's some social proof aspect to it. Uh, actually, an interesting thing, I don't know if I was, got a chance to tell you yet, but we had someone contact us that's actually in Chicago, and they asked if they could do a virtual internship. And it's completely unpaid, and she started doing our Facebook posts for us, and she's been amazing, so that's really cool. So, I mean, that's an idea for someone that has a, a small store. Maybe look for people that would want to do an unpaid internship to do your social media thing. 'Cause there's a lot of people out there that need an internship, especially now that, you know, it's summer still. Yeah, and they just need something to put on their resume. They can say they work with some business. Yeah, and it, the cool thing about that, they could be in college, uh, only do it like an hour a day, and on the resume it looks like they were doing it for, you know, months or whatever. So
0: Yeah. So you just make them like a page admin and then that's it? Or
1: yeah, I I pretty much you know, my thought is we're still a new enough company that I'm like, try whatever you want. You know, and if it's really bad, I'll tell you to stop, but if you have an amazing idea, uh cuz that was one of my problems always with the corporate world. I'd have, you know, really good ideas and they're like, "Nah, we don't like it." So for her, it's like, do whatever you want. If I see it's working really awesome, yeah, keep it up. And if for some reason I feel like you're doing weird things, then I'll stop you, but that's probably not going to happen. You know, that's not going to really happen too often. Yeah, and I think kids these
0: days that are younger like that grew up with Facebook they know the platform probably a lot better than us at
1: least maybe their demographic wise so I mean I think they're able to be a lot more neutral when I post stuff everything I post I want to be like by the way buy from us you know when she posts she knows you can't do that every time I think that's like a millennial thing and older I don't know if it's just us
0: or because the younger kids don't really do that from what I've noticed like looking at their posts and like like they're just like they're just like oh hey this is a cool image blah 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 and then It's like if people like it, they'll like it and they'll check your about us page. Oh, you're a store. All right. I'll check out your store. And I guess it's much more organic than kind of what we're all trying to do. Definitely. I guess maybe because we grew up with like TV advertisements, like shouting at our face. So we're all like, okay, maybe we got to do the same thing. but
1: Yeah. And I I think there's also just that um, you constantly want to be feeling like you're doing work. And I don't know. I read a lot of like copywriting stuff and whatever. So my mind's always focused on that. I recently just started reading uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. And that's, that really kind of changed the way I look at it because it's true. You should, you know, if I see a company posting, hey, buy from us, I'm kind of like, oh, God, get this away from me. But if they post, like, hey, uh, by the way, do you want to know how, you know, the, the space station unfolds its thing? It's like, I do, actually. Oh, and by the way, you have a wallet. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know what, who does this really well is uh, GoPro and Red Bull. If you look at their YouTube channels, oh, yeah. Like the
0: GoPro channel, I can spend like hours just watching the videos there. Yeah. And then in the end they just I just have a logo of the camera and you know, it's cool. They got like ones that like I think this guy put it on like an eagle and is like flying around a canyon and you can see the eagle like turn its head or something like that. you're like this is fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alright, cool. So last one, uh, me, I guess I kinda of brought this up earlier, is just the target market kind of focus. So um I guess ideally when I started this I thought it would be a younger crowd, but turns out it's actually an older crowd, that's like thirty five to fifty. So I've been reading this book. Uh, by Thomas Stanley it came out like a while ago it's called Marketing to the Affluent and so basically in, in the book they talk about uh, marketing to people that are kind of high net worth but not ostentatious about it in the sense that they'll buy things that are of good value but they won't be like say uh, Dan Bilzerian do you, do you actually follow him? no I don't right, so after this call, uh, go on Instagram and just look for him and just follow him and he's like this poker player that just goes to oh, Vegas I
1: do yes that's, that's <laughs> what I want my life to be like that guy's <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly, right? So so it turns out the people actually with money are a lot more low profile. They don't dress crazy like him. They don't do crazy things. They're just kind of guys that you would find in the suburban area, but you can never tell. And so this book talks about how you should actually play off uh kind of like certain needs they have, but their mental needs. For example, a lot of salespeople actually make a lot of money. Say like the highest guy at Nordstroms or whatever. And the thing is a lot of salespeople they don't get recognized for being good salespeople. I think there's a society thing where oh, you know, they're all snake oil salesmen you know, like these guys are assholes. And I think what he, they say in the book is that you can play off this, right? Like, hey, we're going to recognize you in our organization. We're going to give you a plaque. You know, you're going to network with other salespeople. You would kind of start your own sales mastermind. And then, then you would market whatever it is to them, like mutual funds. Oh, by the way, I sell mutual funds or wallets or, you know, yachts or things like that. So, kind of just interesting way to kind of wrap my head around that. Cause I think, like, with my wallets, they're around like 75 bucks. They're not like really cheap, but they're not really expensive either. So it was just kind of like a weird demographic trying to figure out where these people are. And I think unlike Dancewear, where your mark is really specific, like anyone can buy a wallet. So that's kind of something
1: that I realized, oh, I should have been more specific. But I had a similar problem because uh, when I first designed the webpage, I mean, I spent months and months working on it and it looked awesome. Like I showed, I showed my roommate who was a girl at the time and she's like, yeah, it really does look awesome, but not to a girl. And so that was a really tough thing for me. I'm like, well, what does a girl want a page to look like? So... You know, it's it's hard to get sometimes inside the mind of your customer. And especially, like, when you know they're out
0: there, but it's, like, grasping your hand in the air kind of some ways. and Yeah. You know, until you get more feedback, you're just, you're just kind of, like, grasping, grasping, grasping. Like, oh, it's kind of sticks. so I'm going to latch onto this. So I guess, how did you realize that dance teams were the biggest customers? Like, did they just naturally organically find you, or did it start from individuals first before it kind of finally went into bigger orders
1: like those? You know, I mean, they organically found us, um... The interesting thing is when I was first like thinking about this whole idea and you know, sitting down like writing out like how much we could make. I didn't even think about that. Like I was like, okay, well, maybe the average person will buy one or two shorts. And so I kind of planned the whole thing, not realizing that no a lot of our orders are going to be like $500 plus orders. And I think they just kind of organically find us. There's definitely some referral, like I talked about, but they're out there looking on Google just like anyone else. Yeah, exactly. And like the first year is always kind of
0: like the longest slog from kind of what I've talked oh, about yeah. now. So I guess like we could say that would be another good topic
1: too, like the first year slog, what it's like. Yeah, you know, for, for me, my first four to five months was unbearable. Like, Every day I'd wake up and it's just like, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying. You're you're not getting any sales. And um, I finally had to stop. And that's when I backpacked through South America. And it wasn't until I was backpacking through South America that sales started coming in. And at that point, I'm like, okay, we have something here. Cool. Uh, Like I found it very hard to, because when you're not getting any sales, you want to constantly change things. You're like, all right, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. But when you start getting the sales, it's, you're like, okay most of this works, but let's start tweaking little things. Yeah. And it
0: feels like when you're not getting sales and you don't do anything, you're like, well, I should be doing something cause I'm not getting any sales. And you're just like, ah, yeah. you're like,
1: ah, like <laughs> my, yeah, my biggest dilemma was do I need to come? So after I redesigned the page for the second time, I'm kind of like, do I need to do it again? Uh, do I need to rethink navigation or do I just need to work on marketing? So that was really, you know, a tough decision to make. Kind of talking to some people recently, I think like traffic,
0: if you get the traffic, you can probably solve the conversion and design problem, right? Whereas if you keep tweaking the designs and you don't get the traffic, or you're just kind of spinning your wheels, kind of what I realized. And like, I think it's easier to focus on like changing your website than to actually go out and, get, and work on the traffic somehow. I don't know, it's just me or...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. No,
0: that's definitely true. Like, like it's much easier to just say, hey, I'm going to sit around in Photoshop and change something today rather than be like, hey, I'll do outreach and try to do more traffic. I guess like on a mental level, like when you're trying to decide what to do, yeah. like trying to do the hard things and things that actually make an impact is kind of something that is really, it's really struggling because when you don't make sales, you're like, oh, well,
1: should I do this? Should I do that? You know, I think a lot of people fall into a common trap. Actually, like a friend of mine, uh, when I was asking him, like, you know, why don't you start an online store? His thing was, well, it needs to be perfect from the start. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's and I kind of had that same thing. It's like, oh, you know, I'd see today, 10 people came to my website and they didn't buy. Oh, it needs to be perfect. It's like, no, you know, try to make it as good as possible. But you're right. You know, trying to get more people there, then you can solve the how to make it better thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's probably another topic for another time, like the perfectionist thing, like, oh, like this pixel's out of alignment and I can't launch my store. <laughs> <It's> like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually my number one advice. Because I have a lot of friends that they envy me. Like I tell them what I do and they're like, Oh my God, you know, how do I get your life? I'm like, look, do you have an idea? If you do just buy a URL, like right now you can get them for 99 cents on GoDaddy. So If you have an idea, there's no reason not to buy a URL for 99 cents. And then from there, you know, just take those little baby steps. And eventually before you know it, you'll be engaged enough to want to actually finish up the project. But yeah, I think like if you look at the first
0: year of what you do, like it's a lot of baby steps that add up. Like you said, it's like, you know, I think day to day you feel kind of stuck. Like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. But then it's not until like a month, two months later, you say, oh, I actually kind of, I did this and this resulted in sales. Like, but at the time, I had no idea what I was doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I even did was uh, I'm on Volusion, which you know is a good platform, but I don't know if I'd recommend it. But anyways, I just got their lowest package, which I think at the time was like 40 bucks a month. So I'm like, all right, if I don't do anything, then I'm spending 40 bucks a month. So I might as well start working on this kind of thing. And I recommend trying to have little things like that to help you along the way. And even that's expensive. I think what Shopify, BigCommerce, like what, 20
0: bucks a month, they even have like a $14 one. Yeah, 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 I think. Or like a super starter one. There's like like, no point to, I don't think there's really any point to even do it yourself when you can just go on one of these platforms and like Oh, absolutely. the time and money you'll save from developing like something on WooCommerce, fixing the code, breaking your site. Like I know tons of friends who go on WooCommerce and then they like break the code, they get like a white screen yeah. <laughs> just just pay twenty bucks a month and have like a platform that does this for you. Like, there's there's no point wasting the money. You've, you you would have wasted like eight hours on this. Like, is your hourly rate two dollars an hour to fix a site? Like, absolutely. I, I you can do.
1: Totally agree. For months, I was like, oh, I can build this because I have some you know coding experience. I know how to make websites to some degree. I'm like, I can figure this out. But that's a pretty big task to go from not doing any kind of online store to building a complete website. Don't don't waste your time, in my opinion. Yeah, even like Photoshop.
0: Uh, I used to remove the white backgrounds for myself in Photoshop. And I found a guy on Fiverr that does five images for five bucks. I was like, oh, I'm stupid. Why should I do this myself? I should just pay this guy, have him do like 20 photos, whatever. And then I'll just call it a, hey, I can do something else.
1: Yeah, that is, that, that could even be another topic. It's, it's hard to realize that, like, you know, with your VA, for instance, I know for me at first it was like, oh, well, I can do this work. Why should I pay someone else? You know what? For $2 an hour, my time's worth a lot more than two dollars an hour. Like I could be doing something better.
0: Yeah, and chances are, if you do some Photoshop work, it won't look as good as some professional who's doing it for two dollars an hour, which is kind of that's kind of true. sad, but true, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. All right, so I guess uh, let's just end this first episode here. Uh, we kind of, we got some different tangents here we can explore uh, next time. So hope you guys like it. And uh,
1: Travis, any last words you want to say to uh, listeners here? Terry, I don't feel like you plug this enough anymore, but one of the best things I did was the mastermind group, and that's how I started talking with Terry more and you know, I recommend doing Terry's mastermind group, but no matter what, find people that you can talk about this with because for me, for the last year, I was kind of stuck in my own head. I'd have ideas and my friends don't, you know, really want to hear about my online store. So make sure you have people that you can talk about what you're going through. Uh, with yeah it's like friends don't care about
0: seo or organic rankings they don't even have like, any idea how it works and how no
1: when i got my virtual assistant i was in rio and i was telling my friends every day how excited i am to have a virtual assistant and they would look at me and just be like look stop i don't care that you're paying two dollars an hour to free up your entire day but when you tell that to someone on the business side of things they're like that's awesome you know so it's good to have that encouragement
0: yeah and i feel like a lot of the stuff we do now Like when I first started, I was like really excited to like try to convince friends to go on this path. But now it's like, oh, they need to be willing to do this themselves. Like I can preach to the choir, but, you know, it's the choir. So, you know, until then, it's just a waste of my energy I can use to build the business. Absolutely. All right, then. So uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. And then we'll catch up again next week. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Travis, for joining me. And uh, if you guys like this new format, make sure to let us know in the comments. Uh, Send us an email. Sounds good. All right, Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at Billmyonlinestore.com If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.